0: Oh, Charlie! (laughs) Just as soon as the music comes on, he is like activated and raring to go, and he's got two cents to share with us all today.
1: I love that. For those of you who don't know, Charlie is Louise's cat, and Charlie loves being a part of Kick-Ass Conversations with Louise and Kim, and we are (laughs) glad you are here joining us live or on the replay Um, however you are listening to us or viewing us. We are just glad you're here with us today. Louise, Charlie, what are you (laughs) celebrating? I am celebrating uh,
0: today. Uh, Looking back on my week, I've had a really uh, interesting week. Uh, It's been a lot of fun this week. Uh, One of the things that I have started to do is to um, lean into those uncomfortable places a little bit more. And uh, I'm celebrating my improv class. Um, So I I signed up, uh, something way outside my comfort zone, uh, and I'm having a blast, it's a lot of fun. And it's, uh, yeah, just connecting with folks, but really challenging me in a way that I never imagined. As a head thinker, improv, get out of your head and it's very very challenging um and I love it I love thinking trying anyways to I was gonna say think differently but it's more about trying not to think so much mm-hmm. um but it's been great so kind I'm, I'm celebrating like uncomfortable spaces this week
1: I love that I love all the things you've been experimenting with lately improv you've been doing sort of like voice coaching mm-hmm. work. Um, with our former guest Adine, and and I love that that you started some work with her, and I I just feel like yeah you've been diving in and just like I don't know I'm gonna try this thing,
0: like absolutely it's it's a, always a great big experiment. I talk about it so much with my clients, and I talk about it in my business. But I don't often think about it in the same way in my personal life. And so it's kind of bringing those things that I know work in one area of my life into those other areas. And it's kind of working there too.
1: What is it that has um, encouraged you to start experimenting in these ways?
0: I I think specifically my experimentation uh, in my personal life has been all around my voice. Mm -hmm. So it's really about finding and using my voice in a way that I had thought about but didn't really know how to put it into action. And as a recovering perfectionist, right, that can be something that holds us back Mm -hmm. is that we get stuck in this place of like, I can't get started until I know. I can't get started until I know. And it was so It was so interesting because even, I'm just going to share a quick story, because even last night in my improv class, it was like, even if you don't know, that to act like you do know. And so instead of like standing at the sidelines during an improv game, when it's your turn, you just start walking like you know what you're going to say. And it's so interesting because by the time you get to your spot, something like magically falls out of your mouth. And it's not, it's not that I had to think too much about it. It's that I had to like act in a way that like, just, just kind of trust in the process a little bit and trust in the experiment to say like, I don't have to know everything to get off the starting line. I just have to get off the starting line. And then things were just happening. Um, so I kind of loved that I loved how it it that improv class and that little game we were playing just kind of paralleled a lot of things in my life where I'm not getting off the starting line
1: yeah well and it it is interesting because if you think about it, a lot of this is improv. So today we were supposed to have a guest. Unfortunately, she's not here. We hope to have her on um, at at a later date, but um, unfortunately something has come up and she's not able to join us. So we're like, yeah, we'll just go with what we have today and that's okay. Um, And even in our regular conversations, we don't plot out the questions we're going to ask our guests or the questions we're going to ask each other or where the conversation is going to go. There's a lot of Riffing, a lot of improv in our conversations. And for sure, right, being entrepreneurs, there's a lot of riffing and kind of improving in that as well. It's like, okay. I mean, do you remember your very first sales call? <laughs> how awkward
0: it was and how rehearsed it sounded. Yes. So rehearsed. I had yes. a script that I felt like I needed to go by and that I didn't have an alternative. If like that person like answered a question differently than what I was expecting. I was like, um, I, lots of those things, right. That, that come up. And, and so it's a little bit of, if believing in yourself that whatever's going to come out of your mouth (laughs) next comes from a, comes from a well of knowledge, But we often forget that we carry around this well.
1: And I, so I'm thinking of a conversation that I had with a client of mine this morning. And um, I would say (laughs) there's that place where we don't actually know we have the well. Like we don't, we know we know stuff, but we're going to be in a situation where it's like, I don't actually know if I can add anything here. Like after I've listened to people, maybe I'll have an opinion, but I don't know that I have anything to add when I first walk in. And that that lends itself to the other part of improv. You cannot be good at improvisation if you don't listen. Mm-hmm. And when we listen and we go with our gut, right? You like to call it our, your hut, right? Your, your heart. heart and your gut, yeah. right? Me, it's that when you tune into your body, you know what to say and when to say it. You absolutely do. Getting through and finding the confidence to say it is another part. But if you're listening and you're in the moment, you're going to have something to share.
0: Absolutely. And so but that lends to the question of like, what comes first, chicken, egg? Uh, what comes first, your
1: confidence or your stepping out? Um, for for me, my opinion is that it's the stepping out, because if uh, let's go think about babies. Let's think about learning to walk. They don't have the confidence to walk before they learn to walk. They just are like, oh look, I'm going to try this thing now, and you just try it, and then they have the confidence to start running or doing other things. And so for me, it's it is it comes from the Sure, it's having, there is an element of having some fortitude, some ability to just do something. But I don't think it necessarily is confidence because to me, confidence comes with experience. So you can have stepped out many times and have the confidence, have built up the confidence to know that stepping out of your comfort zone is something you can continue to do. And you can fall on your face, or you can thrive. But the first time you start stepping out, you're not going to have that confidence yet. You're you're going to be like, "Oh, I don't know what's going to happen here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna try it anyway." So that's where it comes. My opinion. I don't yeah. know. Yeah
0: is is that belief in yourself? Is that what that is?
1: Or or belief? What is that? I think that? it's trust.
0: Ah, trust.
1: I think. Yeah, my, oh my God is saying and totally riffing here. Um, I think it's trust. I think it is, there's trust in yourself. And even though that may not be like the setting may not be on full, you may not have full trust in yourself, but enough trust in yourself or the trust in the others that you're in the situation with or the trust in the situation itself. But there's some element of trust that. Even if you falter, it'll will be okay.
0: Yeah, more often than not, right? Is there blood? Is somebody gonna die? probably not. Right. Um, and so leaning into that fact to 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 take that leap of faith. Maybe, maybe maybe faith plays in it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and 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 belief and and. and I also think too, we can attach so much pressure to ourselves to say, like, the next step has to be like that. There's so much riding on this next step. There's so much riding on my ability, my skills, my competencies, my however I'm showing up at work. There's so much riding on it. No,
1: <laughs> there's not. <laughs> we think there is. We think there is. And even though I know I asked you questions that came from your celebration, I haven't shared mine. I'll share mine at the end. It's fine because I like what you just said because I think it does lend itself to what we wanted to talk about today, which is creating that kinder inner dialogue. Go ahead. No,
0: I was just gonna say it it I think that it starts from how we can begin to detach ourselves uh from the dialogue that's going on Mm -hmm. so that we can have a look at it with a different perspective we all have that inner dialogue right it is a part of who we are as homo sapiens we have an inner dialogue and um exploring what that is i think is key Um, but first we need to unhook from it and look at it without judgment Mm-hmm. Uh, so that we can really kind of dive into
1: understanding it a little bit more. That unhooking is so key, right? It, so inner dialogue mm-hmm. is one of those things. I think it was probably one of my earliest steps in personal development. Like when I was a teenager, um, I had an amazing therapist. My parent. A teenager. I don't even think I had turned thirteen yet. Um, my parents were going through a divorce, and I had an amazing therapist mm-hmm. who taught me about the <laughs> the voices in my head, taught me about the the way that I was talking to myself, and where I was putting where I was shifting what I was hearing. So the actual words that were happening outside my body, Mm -hmm. how I was shifting that internally to place the blame onto myself and to, um, create a person, Mm -hmm. this identity of myself that wasn't in fact real. It was, it was created by my thoughts who I thought I was and, That's the earliest memory I have of somebody talking to me about how we talk to ourselves. So it's been a minute since I started that, right? It's been, I'm gonna like 40 years of inner dialogue and learning different ways to understand why and how, even though I don't love the question how all the time, but why and how. That dialogue is happening. Mm -hmm. So is it there to protect me? Is it there to keep me safe? Is it there to um, continue the conditioning that I experience from outside myself, right? Whether that be societally or environmentally from those that are closest to me. Um, And understanding those those different lines Mm -hmm. of input and how I process that, what I do with that information, to then create the thought that I want to have and the mm-hmm. the dialogue that I want to be having inside. And very often, my dialogue is not even internal anymore; like <laughs> comes external.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, verbal processing that I mean, goes on there. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> So, yeah, I came to I came to that that inner dialogue much later in life. It wasn't something that I ever really considered as a driving force that was not me right? Or not who I wanted to be, I guess. And so the things that it was saying, um, I believed to be true. I believed it to be right. Like those are my thoughts. And so my thoughts must be based in, you know, facts. I didn't question it. And, um, it was just, uh, it was just me in my head. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that was so interesting as an adult, as a mature adult, um, to go through that process, yeah, air quotes, mature, <laughs> um, to go through that process and to really start to understand and, and look at it completely differently on that it is um, a part of who I am, absolutely, but it is not the totality of who I am.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, right? Because I, like I just shared, I've, I've had this information about inner dialogue long time and yet i'm still working with it i still have to look at those voices and say those thoughts and say is that a fact is that thought true or is that a thought that i am that i created to fill in the blank to create a story to fit a narrative that somewhere I believe to be true. So it doesn't matter that I was given that information 40 years ago. It's It's still a work in progress and I think it goes back to who we are, like how we are wired as humans. I don't I am not um, somebody who understands the neuroscience deeply, but it is interesting to me to think about how are, how our brains are there to do a certain job, and how we as humans have depended on them to do jobs that they're not designed to, to do. Like that part of neuroscience I've been I've been doing a little bit of reading about and it's it is fascinating because that's where we get mucked up. Like we're using our brains to create belief. And that's not an, right what they're actually designed to do. They're designed to process information not necessarily to create belief, going back to faith and belief and trust, right? Right, right. Um, And so we often look for that
0: in a place that wasn't designed to create that thing. And so it kind of gets messed up a little bit and we get our wires crossed uh, sometimes. So tell me a little bit about um, that idea of how to be more aware of the of, of that of that dialogue of that part of you that is creating that that, that dialogue how, how do we even start to to recognize what that is? How do we do that?
1: So one mm-hmm. of the ways that I like working you know both with myself but then with other people is to start looking at those spaces. we use the term crunchy right? You and I use the term crunchy a lot. Um, That place where there's tension, there's friction, where there's um, something, you know something isn't right. And very often we look outside of ourselves to what is that thing that's not right. Um, Very often what I find is that it's not necessarily that the things outside of ourselves are not right. They may not be right, but it's how we're thinking about those things. So looking for that place of tension, looking for that crunchiness, that, that resistance, um, is a great place where, because that we can recognize, we can be like, whoa, I go to work every day and I like what I do and something's not feeling right. I guess it must be me. I I guess I might, I must not be connecting with people well enough. I might not be performing well enough. I don't know how to lead in a way that they want me to lead. I don't. So now I'm starting to have thoughts based on, well, I like what I do, but I'm not feeling comfortable in the work that I'm doing. So we're creating the story around it and looking at that place of tension, that place of friction going to work. We start to identify what are the thoughts, what are those default thoughts that we have, and then we can start to unravel those and see if those thoughts have, in, you know, bear any weight, if they if they have any actual substance and truth and reality. Right. That's that's kind of where I start.
0: Yeah, and and you know, we kind of started this conversation a little bit about like, how do we unhook mm-hmm. ourselves from that? And and going through that process is starts with unhooking our judgment from, from that voice, right? And when we can start to say, okay, what without judgment, without right, without anything, what are the words that are going on in this beautiful melon of ours? What's what do we hear over and over again? What do we recognize when is that happening? um and just looking at it i'm going to say it for the data that it is can start to provide some insight into because you said the question like is it friend or is it foe mm-hmm. and without unhooking ourselves from that judgment because that voice that inner dialogue is can be full of judgment um with but without unhooking it like from your core self uh then it can be really tricky because then we believe, right? Like you said, we be- have a belief that what is being said inside of us is actually true. And that may or not, may not be true. Um, but we have a belief that it is because it must be because we're hearing it.
1: Of course. Like, why would we lie to ourselves? Why would, would we, mean we not? <laughs> <laughs> Woo, well, well we have it, some reasons. Yes. <laughs> So um, I do some work around um, positive intelligence. Um, uh, uh Sherzad created a modality called positive intelligence. And uh, it works with this idea of like we've heard of the inner critic. And he starts with the inner critic or the judge, which is kind of that main core part of ourselves um, that, will, that will give us this information. Um, and it usually is born from something that happened to us very young in, in our lives. Um, and, uh, and it doesn't have to be anything traumatic. It just is environmentally Part of our
0: development. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And from that, then there are saboteurs. So these saboteurs are the ones that like come in for like the quick little, like quick little jab, like I'm just going to tell you something quickly. And then it immediately creates an action or an inaction in ourselves. So um, this idea, I, can, I was thinking of one with my husband. I, so one of my saboteurs is an avoider, right? So it's kind of like it, it bundles it out for you so you understand. You can give it a, a name and a persona to, to really be able to understand it deeply. So um, it, when my husband says something to me that, that I'm not a fan of, I could go the route of actually asking him questions, trying to understand, have you know open, transparent, beautiful conversation and in communication, which is eventually where we get to. <laughs> Sometimes what happens is my my saboteurs will come in and they'll want to defend me and with my avoider in particular to be like, i'm I'm right, he's wrong. I'm gonna go over here and not even have that conversation. And so what's happening, why it's called a saboteur, right, is because now I'm sabotaging how I genuinely want to show up, Mm -hmm. which is in partnership with this human being, right? So we have the inner critic, which kind of drives these saboteurs. I just love like this little way to personify these parts of ours. There's uh, internal family systems as well is another way of, of personifying these parts of ourselves so we can understand them and understand where some of that language is coming from, so we can support changing that language, unhooking, as you were talking about. Mm -hmm. So I just like that there's different systems out there that give us kind of an easy entrance way once we start to recognize, whether we recognize it for ourselves or somebody that we're working with, whether it's a therapist or a coach, is helping us understand that these thoughts are not actually serving us and coming from our core identity. Right.
0: And and I think that's the, the key piece is that whatever's going on inside of us, it's we're acting in a way that's different or not in alignment with our core. Mm-hmm. And that's where we talk about those crunchy bits, right? Um and and that's what causes the crunch. It's like somebody's zigging and you want to zag. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, like well, maybe I should maybe i should zig but i want to zag but but and and then all of a sudden we're in this mucky place that that those decisions those choices those things that we really want all of a sudden now we're hesitant we're start to doubt we're questioning our own abilities our own right all of those things because there's this friction and we're not in alignment you mentioned something too before that i thought was really interesting around like are they friendly are they friends or are they foe? Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit more about that. Like what what's a what's are, are they all not in alignment? Like what's a friendly and what's a what's an,
1: an enemy? Yeah. So, foe? I think that even when we talk about the saboteurs, they are there to protect us. They are there actually doing a job that they think that they are Providing service to us, like positive service to us, they're going to protect us. They're going to keep us from getting in trouble. They're going to keep us from having our heart broken. They're going to keep, like all of the Mm -hmm. things that they're going to making a fool of ourselves. They're going to do all of that work for us. So they're not bad. They're not inherently bad. None of those voices inside of us ever want to harm us. Mm -hmm. They're not our enemies. They're, they can sound like our enemies because they can be really, really mean. Like they, they are the voices that you would not ever use with somebody you loved. And so that's the part where it's like it can it, it can sound harsh and it can sound like a foe. It can sound like right they're, they're antagonizing us. And they can also be providing a service. So if somebody, let's go back to the work example, right? I, I don't feel comfortable in my work environment, but I like what I do. My internal voice could say, well, are you, you know, this is what always happens. You always take the job and then you end up not making friends and, and you're just not happy there and you're just going to bail or you're going to get fired or something bad is going to happen. There's some truth in that probably. Right, Not that I'm a bad person, not that I'm at fault, not that I'm going to get fired, but that where is my responsibility in how I'm showing up in my job? Am I showing up fully and authentically me or am I keeping part of myself tucked away because X, Y, and Z reasons? So where is the truth? So finding that friendly part of it, where is the truth in those thoughts and where is the part that doesn't serve you? Right, telling me that I'm bad, telling me that I'm ridiculous, telling me that ugh, you never make any friends anyway, like that's just mean. That's not helpful. So where can we find that? That so I think it's the same. It's like the same because it's the same voice, but it's both sides of it. Part of it is friend, part of it is foe.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? yeah, and it, it's a little bit about trying to interpret exactly what a mean voice. Is actually trying to do for you? How is that protecting you? Or what's the the essence or the core behind that reasoning? And it's it's not explaining itself in a way that's helpful. It's just using the words that it knows. And it has it it is trying to tell us something, warn us about a a potential pitfall thinking that we maybe can't handle it or right there's a there's a miscommunication there it's using words that are not helpful and it believes that maybe we're not fully um, self sufficient or co- self competent in doing that next task which is not always true right there's a disconnect there's a somebody's missing some information in there um and it's time to kind of figure out how to make those Make those parts talk to each other so that they understand each other a little better.
1: Yeah, one of the um, one of my favorite exercises to do that is to bring that part or bring that voice up to speed. because very often these voices mm-hmm. come from our, again, our younger selves um, and allowing them to see that we are this competent, successful, Mature adult. I'm going to use air quotes because you know we're not always in, <laughs> in places of maturity. Um, but the that we have grown up, that we have learned some lessons, and we actually know some new information that could be helpful for that voice. And that's how we can start to retrain and unhook the that judgment and that place of I have to go to that space of this more negative voice that is is trying to drive me forward. Right. It's if we think about the number of hours that we spend consuming, whether it's scrolling or watching movies or TV or reading even books or magazines, we're consuming a lot of information. The words and the dialogue that exist out in the world now become part of who we are. So if we start seeing, um, Well, we have a a mutual friend, Malik, and she does a lot of anti-diet culture work. And so if we start seeing a lot of these images, these before and afters on bodies, and like this before is bad, this after is good, this is showing us judgment of what we Mm -hmm. should be doing. Our brain is internalizing that saying, look, we've been given data of what is good and what is bad when it comes to our bodies. So now what do you think is going to happen to us? That is now our internal dialogue. And so if we want a kinder dialogue, we need to update it and say, I don't agree with this type of judgment. I I that's I'm not okay with that, and here's what I know about bodies and here's what what mm-hmm. I believe about this to be true and let's let's work on this together. So, yes, you may still want to lose weight, but you're not you're not judging. You're not in that place, right? right?
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting. It's it's like you have to bring a part along, um, and update it with new data, with with things that are are facts um, that are. Um, that they don't have judgment, right? Facts are facts, Mm -hmm. facts just, they are just that, they have no feelings, they have no judgment, they have like, there's none of that stuff attached to a fact. A fact is just a fact. Mm
1: -hmm. And when
0: you can bring your part along on a journey, uh, when you can design an experiment to say, okay, like, uh, I don't think that to be true, but I understand like I'm hearing kind of the same thing that this part is saying, this dialogue is saying the same thing over and over and over again. And it's like, okay, how can I design an experiment in my life and bring that part along so that it can bear witness to what is actually true? And that can be a great way to kind of say, like, you know what? Let's just we're just going to update this part um, with with some different information, and we're going to see what it does. Uh, we're going to we're going to help it create a different dialogue to have a different to have different words at its disposal, so that it can start to help us in a way that is, that we can understand Oh, a way that is, I was going to say, it can help us in a way that is helpful. Um, true also. True. <laughs> so my experiment last night in improv, so this is exactly what happened, right? And we're standing around a circle and we have to step into a, a, a circle really quickly And say or do something that matches what other people are saying or doing in there. And it's very, very fast. We don't have an opportunity to kind of think about what's like, what's the coolest thing I could be or how do I, right? Like all of that. You you don't have time to think about that. And so standing on the edge of the circle, I can feel my hesitation and I can hear my inner dialogue saying, you're going to get it wrong. Whatever you do, it's going to be wrong. You don't know what you're doing. You missed class last week because you were sick. Like, you just, like, just maybe, maybe you should just stay on the sidelines here and not join in. Just observe until you know what you're doing. Um, But don't put yourself at risk. And I understand what it's trying to do. It's trying to protect me, doesn't want me to be, you know, called out or, or, right, embarrassed, except, it's all embarrassing, um, right? Or it all it, it's all for fun and nobody there is judging because everybody around that circle are having this exact same conversation inside themselves. And so, you know, when it comes my turn is, My body starts to move into the circle, and I'm like, Hey, let's just come along. Right? It's just this one thing, it's just these 12 other people, nobody's really gonna know. And if I die of embarrassment, then that can go on my gravestone, right? And so, just like starting to do it, but bringing that part of me along on the journey to say, hey, let's just go see what happens, but but bear witness to what's happening. And after a few steps and you get into the circle and something is comes out of my mouth and I don't know even what it is and there's laughter and then the next person, the next person, the next person. And it's like, see, right? But it takes a little bit of time. We, we often forget to kind of reflect to say, no, this is the data that's real. This is really what's happening now. And we need to be doing that as well. We just can't say, oh, talk differently to yourself. No. It, it That's not going to work. It's like, oh, no, let's bring some more information in here. And then let's check in with that part so that it really is updating. So that it really does see things differently than what it thought was going to happen.
1: Yeah. And it, it's so interesting. It's really what we're talking about is the crux of, of what is Cognitive behavioral therapy, like right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it it is we have the the thought, we have the cognition, it creates behavior. So in your case, you had the thought, and the behavior could have been, I'm gonna stand by the the side and not go in, which is so interesting, right? Because if we actually played that out, if you were the only one standing on the outside of the circle, you would have been so embarrassed to be the mm-hmm. only person standing on the outside of the circle. Yeah. So the fact fact that your thought was trying to protect you from going in the circle could have actually created you to be embarrassed, which was the outcome it didn't want. Fascinating how our brains work. Anyway, so we have the cognition. It creates or or encourages a certain behavior. If we want a different behavior, we think a different thought. Now, that sounds simple enough, but as you just said, it's not a matter of just saying, I'm going to think everything's going to be fine when I get in the circle because that's too big of a leap for our brain. Mm -hmm. Our insides go, I can't do that. It's too much. So we look for the next accessible thought. What is the next accessible thought? The next accessible thought for you was, we're just going to try it. Not that everything was going to be okay. It was just, we're going to try it. And if I die of embarrassment, well, then everybody will know and it will go on my headstone. (laughs) There we go. So you didn't try and take a leap that was too big. You took that next step. Now, that thought process has been updated to know, oh, I can take, going back to taking those steps, I can trust that I can take this step. I can take a step that's hard for me, that's out of my comfort zone, and not die of embarrassment. Like, that's the that's all the data you got. You didn't get the data that it was okay. You didn't get it. yes, it was fun, it was a good experiment, you had a good time. But as far as that thought goes, the data now is, okay, I won't die of embarrassment if I step inside of a circle when I don't want to because I'm nervous about being embarrassed. New piece of data. New
0: piece of data, right?
1: Next time you're standing in a circle, you'll know you can step into it.
0: Absolutely. And and but now I can get to something else, maybe right. Maybe there's something else that's gonna hold me back or maybe right. But I've gotten through this layer of the onion. I've I've been able to overcome that particular challenge that my inner voice was throwing in front of me. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that whole point. Like when we talk about creating a kinder inner dialogue, we're not talking about reprogramming our entire like database with only positive sunshiny words. It doesn't work that way. Um, it's, it's more about how do we very intentionally listen to what it's saying and then find these small steps, find these kind of cracks in the armor so that we can then start to collect information and collect data that, that, that is more true, um, for our current situation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The, the way that I work with my clients on it is we look at the thought and we say, where is the data? Where's the evidence? Okay. I use the word evidence because, you know, former attorney here, where's the evidence that that is true. And where is the evidence that it's not true? And sometimes there's evidence on both sides. Sometimes there is evidence that that thought is true. Okay, fine. So so if the evidence was true that you were going to embarrass yourself by putting yourself into that circle, if that if you already had that evidence to be true, then you could say, that's fine. Can I deal with embarrassment? That's your next thought, right? It's, it's the next question.
0: Absolutely. And this is a great example, because it's like, I may have been embarrassed before by stepping into a circle. And that could have been an experience that I carry with me. And that's that trauma that great right, keeps like, activating our inner dialogue and reminding us of what happened last time, except that we forget that I didn't die of, of embarrassment, because here I am in the same situation, right? Months, days, years, hours later. It's like, but we forget that. Um, so it's it's really interesting to be able to just kind of like play a little bit, unhook ourselves from that judgment piece and and really start to to think about our inner dialogue as an ally and and then figuring out how to how to use it and update it with the information that's at hand and not to let it just pick the data that supports its argument right and it's like no no no, no, sure that may have happened but you know what, I I did live to tell the
1: story. Um, and so th- that can't be an argument that you use today. Right. Well, it could be. It could choose that same argument. But again, if you're looking for the evidence, well, sure, there's evidence that I was embarrassed. There's also evidence I didn't die. Right. Right? So then you get to choose how you go into the next thought and the next yeah. thought after that. So yeah. fun. Um, what did we learn that. today? What's your golden nugget?
0: <laughs> I just... I think it's that reminder um, about unhooking, right? Um, you said it a bunch of times, like when we can try to unhook ourselves from from that and um, look at it differently and start to uh, examine that part, find the evidence that we need. Um, it just, it's a great reminder because that's a whole basis of like, how do we shift our mindset? How do we create a, a different dialogue um, and, and how do we support ourselves? So I love that reminder about kind of unhooking
1: um, and, and getting the evidence that we need. I love that too. I think for me, it's interesting because it was, we used the words, but we didn't use the words in the way that my golden nugget is. It is where can we trust ourselves to enough to examine the thoughts that we have? So it takes trust. It takes trust to start this process. Where can we trust ourselves enough to say, what are these thoughts telling me? Are these thoughts the thoughts that I want to be having? How can I change the thoughts that I don't want that aren't serving me? But to me, it starts, it goes back to kind of what we were talking about in the beginning and and we didn't implicitly say it throughout this conversation, but having that trust being that place that we start and and learning how to cultivate trusting ourselves through our thoughts and in support of our thoughts. So it's kind of a little circular thinking there, but that that's kind of my, I'm putting it in my pocket, but not really because I'm going to keep thinking about it.
0: <laughs> Well, and that's a great thing about these conversations, right, is just to allow us uh, a, a different view, mm-hmm. a little bit more information maybe than what we had before so that we can think about things differently, show up a little bit differently at work, in our, in our businesses, in our lives, and, and just start with small steps, making a bigger change. Um, yeah. But
1: it all is like one, one drop in a bucket at a time. It is. So next week we have we have a, another conversation that we're going to have. We're going to be talking about trusting the universe. Yeah.
0: Fantastic. Um, maybe a little bit of this, right? You might. You might like it. <laughs> And really how to lean into that. Um, builds off of all of the conversations. Every one of these conversations just kind of builds off the next, which I which I love. Um, but they're their own little episodes and have their own nuggets on their own.
1: Um, but yeah, looking forward to next week. Yeah, me too. And I am just gonna throw in here and we will end up talking about it a bit next week. Um oh Heidi, I'm so glad that you appreciated today's conversation and that you were able to join us over on LinkedIn. Thank you so much. Um, I will just drop in here that in terms of trusting the universe, we actually trusted the universe to help us determine what the topics were for the majority of our conversations oh, in the second part of um, season one and for the first part of season two, because we we did, um, we used our Oracle cards and pulled cards for a year to help us create some themes um, for each month just internally in our business. And we said, ooh, how do we use those to actually then create episodes? So. We might talk more about that next week as well. (laughs) All right. Uh, Thank you,
0: everyone, for joining us today. We appreciate you. um, And we hope you have a fabulous week.
1: Absolutely. All right, everyone. Bye for now. Take care.